And I hope you do not mind my speaking to you from this vantage point because it's good for me because I can see all the way to the back of the room. So if you have a hard time listening or hearing rather, if you have a hard time hearing, just raise your hand and I'll have them increase the volume and I'll thank them for that if and when they need to do it. But uh, I enjoy mostly because I don't know how, how y'all feel about those that lead your worship on Sunday mornings. But I want to tell you, I've been in a lot of churches and God has richly blessed not only those who are musicians here each Sunday morning, but uh, their ministry to you. Uh, you ought to really thank God every week for them. Uh, And I, uh, I appreciate the, um, the hymns that we sang <laughs> this morning. I know one was really old. One of them was much older than I am. <laughs> uh, but uh, the reason I like hymns, not only because of my age, because I remember a lot of the words to a lot of the hymns. I was at a conference down in Atlanta, Georgia, and I heard a guy speak. His last name was Klaus. I thought, Klaus? Klaus? I've heard that name before. There was an Indian family that came to CFC a long time ago, not in this building, but in the one that they were in previous. And I thought, I remember that name and I remember the people. And I met one of the guys whose father had just finished speaking in the previous session. And I went up to him and I asked him about his family. I remember a family coming to our church and there was a young boy and a younger girl that sang for us at the church. And he said, well, I don't know who that could have been. Uh, I remember my mom and dad singing, but I don't know where they sang and so on. I said, well, I remember the song that the girl sang. And the song was, Standing Somewhere in Life's Shadows, You'll Find Jesus. He's the one 
who knows and cares and understands, standing somewhere in life's shadows, you'll find Jesus. And you'll know him by the nail prints in his hands. And that young man looked at me and said, that was my mother's song. She sang that everywhere. How did you remember that? I said, because of the words. They're meaningful. Any shadows coming through your life? Any shadows bringing stormier days? Standing somewhere in the midst of every trial, every gloomy day, every shadow that falls across your path, somewhere you'll find Jesus. And you'll know him by the nail prints in his hand, which he still bears, by the way. Well, I'm rather anxious to see him. In fact, I want to share something with you that is at the top of my notes here, and I do speak from notes. I don't make any apology for that. David Jeremiah does it. (laughs) And uh, I want to share something about heaven, my future, and my eternal home. Now heaven needs to be defined because heaven, the word, appears a lot of times in Scripture and it doesn't always mean exactly the same thing. And so I would like to define heaven for you so that you'll know when you hear the word just what that word is speaking of. Genesis chapter 1, of course. Genesis chapter 1. Look down at verse 6, Genesis 1, 6. And then God said, let there be an expanse, or maybe your version has firmament. Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. In other words, if you've got waters, he wanted something to be in the middle of those waters and these waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. But that's not the heaven that I'm going to. That's the first heaven. That's the heaven of the clouds on a cloudy day or a partly cloudy day 
or a day where the sun is shining. That's the first heaven. That's the nearest heaven. That's the heaven of all of our weather systems. It's the heaven of the birds. It's the heaven of the clouds. It's the heaven of air travel. And that's the first one. And he goes on down in verse 14 of Genesis 1. Then God said, that's at the end of the third day. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and wonders and seasons and days and years. Let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens so to give light on the earth and it was so when God made two great lights the greater to govern the day, the lesser light to govern the night, the sun and the moon, and he made the stars also. And if you watch things that have to do with the cosmos on television, you'll find out that that is an amazing place to be. It's the place that is the second heaven. It is the heaven of the sun, the heaven of the moon, and of all of the stars, all of the billions of them, and the thousands of the galaxies that exist. And it extends how far we will never know in this lifetime, and neither will our scientists. And God placed them, and it was evening, and it was morning, the fourth day, and that is the second heaven, the heaven that we call space. We have stepped on the threshold of space. But in your wildest imagination, you'll not get much farther than that threshold. It's just too immense. Well, there is another heaven. Deuteronomy 26, look down, the speaker talking to God, look down upon the earth. Look down from your holy habitation. Look down, God, from where you live. It is the third heaven. It is far beyond the creation. God is above and beyond everything that he has created. And yet, he is in the midst of it. He is omnipresent. He is always present in what he created, above and beyond what he created, and it's what is above and beyond at the present time 
that is the third heaven. The Apostle Paul tells us about that heaven in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul begins speaking, and in verse 2 of that chapter, he said, I know a man in Christ. That means, in Christ, meaning that man was a fellow believer. And most Bible scholars think that that man was Paul himself. But he's not saying that. Who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. Such a man was caught up to the third heaven the dwelling place of God from all eternity past, and that is forever and ever and ever, never ending in the direction of past. Whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows. And that man in verse 4, the latter part of verse 4, which he heard inexpressible words, which a man is not permitted to speak. He could never tell what he saw. Why not? It wouldn't be a surprise when you got there. If Paul had said in Paul's distinct way what that heaven was like, it wouldn't be new to you when you got there. And it certainly wouldn't be a privilege or a responsibility to a seven-year-old boy I read about that died and went to heaven and told about all the people he met up there and how important it was for him to tell the story. Are you kidding me? If God wouldn't let the Apostle Paul tell the story, what's that seven-year-old boy going to do? Have no idea. But the Apostle Paul says, I was caught up to the third heaven, the dwelling place of God. And Jesus said, chapter 6 of the Gospel of John, you remember after Jesus had fed the 5,000 people, people still wanted more of him. They were really infatuated by him. They wanted to be next to him. They wanted to hear him again and again. But they wanted something else. They wanted a sign from him that he was who he said he was, that he could do what he did in the past. They wanted a sign that he could still do it. And 
Jesus was probably thinking, I had to be thinking, where were you yesterday when I was feeding those 5,000 people? We didn't have any trucks backing up, unloading food for 5,000 people? Where were you? Well, our fathers gave us manna from heaven. Yes. And as soon as you obeyed him, the manna stopped. But I am the bread of life. I am the true bread. I have come down from heaven, not from the sky where the manna came from, but I came down from heaven, the dwelling place of God. Not to do my own will, and certainly not to do the will of the people who wanted him to be king on their terms, so they could wake up every day and see another marvelous miracle. No, not to do my will, but to do the will of him, the Father, who sent me. Well, the Apostle John tells us about that heaven, that third heaven, the dwelling place of God, and it's found in Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. And I assume that y'all know how to get to Revelation. You've had some practice. So, chapter 4. After these things, verse 1, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, come up here and I will show you what must take place after these things. And immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting upon the throne. In the dwelling place of God, there was a throne that John saw, and saw one sitting on that throne, one who had been pictured in chapter 1 of Revelation. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow about the throne like an emerald in appearance. Have you ever seen an emerald rainbow? No. But I remember reading a story in Reader's Digest. Now, Reader's Digest is not inspired by God. 
But it was a good story because there are a lot of people who do what the story was all about. It was about people who get over on the East Coast and go day after day after day after day and watch the sun come up in the morning because they want to see the sunrise. But it's not just the sun they want to see. There is a certain time when the sun begins to rise that you can begin to see a color. It only lasts for a second at the most. But the flash is enough to see. In fact, it is called the emerald flash. It is what all of light is at a certain moment when it's observed. We observe a rainbow after a rain. It has a lot of colors in it. We observe a sunrise and a sunset, and it can be different colors. But there is a time that individuals have seen for a split second, an emerald flash. But there is around the throne of God an emerald bow. A bow of emerald around the throne. In verse, 40, uh, verse 4 of chapter 4, Around the throne were 24 thrones, and upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. And from out from the throne came flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God, the sevenfold spirit of God. And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal, and in the center and around the throne four living creatures, full of eyes in front and back. Jump to first, verse 8. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not Cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. That's talking about Jesus. And when they give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, and all of them together, verse 11, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, because of your will they existed and were created. In his throne room, he accepts 
praise. Yes, he does. That's exactly what it says. Seated on his throne in the heavens. The third heaven. The dwelling place of God. He's there. And there he accepts praise. And do you know when y'all were having worship this morning? When the folks were leading us and singing and using their instruments? Do you know that they were worshiping God? And do you know that because God knows their hearts and God knows your hearts, that God in heaven, seated on his throne, Jesus Christ himself was accepting that praise? That ought to make that time more special to know that the God of all the earth, the God of all creation, receives praise from the throne. But not only that, Jesus came from there to this earth for a particular purpose. Galatians 4.4, God's word says, But when the fullness of time came, when it was the right time, the best time in all of human history, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Oh, not from a man, born of a woman. That makes the virgin birth of Jesus Christ absolutely essential. Born under the law. You say, well, I, I thought we were living under grace. Yes, we are, but Jesus didn't. He was born under the law, meaning he was responsible for keeping the law. And did he do so? You bet he did. Every single point of the law the Ten Commandments and the Mosaic Law. That's why when he healed some individuals, he would say to them, I want you to go to the priest and have him check you out. Why? That was part of the law. That's what God told Moses. That's what he should have done, and he did it. Every single time there was a point of law to be observed, Jesus observed it. Not the way the Pharisees and the scribes wanted him to do that, but the way it was meant to be. According to the law, born under the law, so that, purpose, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, the Jews, that we 
might receive the adoption of sons, that's the Gentiles. So that's everybody. You're either Jewish or you're Gentile. <laughs> Gentiles are a pretty big family, but, uh, and the Jews are all descendants of Abraham. Uh, but um, no, uh, we're in there too. Because Jesus came from there and came to here, to this earth, to a manger in Bethlehem. Why? Because he was a human person. A hundred percent human. As human as you are. As human as I am, Jesus was. And he was still God. He was as much God when he was in the manger as he was when he was on the throne. It's from that throne that he rules his universal kingdom. It's from that throne that he prays for you and I. From that throne he intercedes for us. When we sin, when Don sins... There is someone that knows about it, and he's called the accuser of the brethren. He's also called Satan, that old serpent, the devil. And he accuses me of sin. And then he says to God, the Father, so now what are you going to do about it? That is worth punishment. That is worth correction. Now what are you going to do? It's a sin and I know what things are sin. Yeah, Satan knows all that. And the word of God says that he intercedes for us. Means he steps between Satan and the Father. And he's not looking at Satan, he's looking at the Father. And said, yes, I know that Don sinned. But Don has asked forgiveness. And also, I died for that sin. So, Satan has nothing else say he intercedes from us from the throne it's to that throne that we go Hebrews 4 16 to the throne of the throne of grace where we can find grace and everything else that we need that we Go to him for. And we can come confidently before the throne of grace to lay our prayers before him. And it is from this throne that Jesus will come again. Number one, to rapture the church. And number two, to come again to set up his kingdom on this earth like it is.
promised in the word of God. But that heaven, that's for people who know him. That's for people who are in Christ, who have a real, vital, meaningful, eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. In this church, not in this building, before this building was here, and it was located over on Highland Street in Hammond, when we moved to here, 605, 165th, we were at 604 Highland Street, over by Beaker's Coal Yard, in that neighborhood there, just to the east of Seoul Street, where that runs into Highland Street. In that building, to be exact, during vacation Bible school of 1942. 1942. My vacation Bible school teacher, whose name was Betty Mitchell, took me after lesson time was over, and I sat at a table with her, and she showed me from the Word of God how I could know Jesus Christ as my Savior. And that day, I put my faith and trust as best I knew how in Jesus Christ. And the longer I've lived, the more I've learned to trust Him. Jesus had a lot to say to His disciples and to us. Over in John chapter 14, when He's speaking to His disciples, In verse 1, do not let your heart be troubled. If God says that to you, he has an answer for you. If I say that to you, you may say, well, what do you think I should do? Well, then that puts me on the spot to share with you exactly what is right. Jesus, you never have to worry about. Don't let your heart be troubled, and if he says that to you, believe him. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. They believed in God. The Lord our God is one. We believe in God. He says, believe also in me. There are people all around the world that believe in God or someone they call God. Jesus said, believe also in me. A friend said to me one time, well, Don, what about, what about people over in the Middle East? Don't they worship the same God we do? I said, no, they don't. 
Well, they say they do. It's the same God. Don't we all worship the same God? No. Well, how do you know? Well, I know because... (coughs) Because... Jesus is the eternal Son of God. (coughs) And he said so, and the Bible says so. And uh, excuse me, I'm going to get some water. I should have brought it with me. My wife told me to do that. (laughs) But um, I listened attentively and ignored that sound device. Of advice, not device. Well, it's a device, but anyway. Jesus said he was God. And other people who believe in God don't believe in Jesus. But Jesus said, even though you believe in God, believe also in me. Thank you for your patience. Hurry, Don, hurry. In my Father's house, in my Father's dwelling place, are many dwelling places. And if it were not so, I would have told you, because I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and you know the way where I am going. And Thomas, of course, said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how do we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. The truth is bracketed bracketed by I am the way. So I am the truth about how you get to heaven. And I am the truth about where heaven is, when heaven is, And how to get there. And no one comes to the Father but by me. Well, that means there's something for you to think about. It is not enough to believe in God. Believe in Jesus. But what do you have to believe when you believe in Jesus? Oh, you know. One time we were writing up a thing about, in a previous church, about church membership. And I said, well, uh, I, I think one of the things that ought to be in that for church membership is that you need to know how to use the scripture 
to lead a person to Jesus Christ so that they have the same confidence, the same assurance of salvation that they do. Oh, no, you can't do that. Why not? You ask them if they're saved. How do they know they're saved? Can they tell you how they know they're saved? If they can tell you how they know they're saved, they can tell somebody else how to know whether they're saved or not. What do you need to do? Number one, believe that you're a sinner and cannot save yourself. Believe that when Jesus died on the cross, it was for you that he died. You were one of the all for whom he died. And tell God, that you want Jesus to be your Savior, to come into your life and to give to you the gift that only God can give anybody, and that is the gift of eternal life. Sounds easy. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All means all, that's all all means. 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Death means separation. Death in this instance is separation from God. It might be until the day you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior or it might be for the rest of eternity future. Not the rest of it. That's wrong. For all of eternity future. Romans 5, 8 says, But God proved his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died 2,000 years ago. You weren't even here. We weren't even here. But when he died, he died for me. And John talks in John chapter 1 about he came unto his own and his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those that believe on his name. Two words stand out, receive and believe. Have you received him as your Savior? Do you believe, one, that you're a sinner, that he died in your place? to pay the penalty for your sin. And those of you who have done just that have been saved eternally from the penalty of sin. And one of these days, even, well, not one of these days, I skipped a point. During these days, God is saving you from the power of sin. And a lot of that depends upon your obedience to the Word of God. Yes, there are some, you should do this. 
And you should not do this. And our obedience helps our own cause for him to save us from the power of sin. And one of these days he is coming again. And then and only then will he save us from the very presence of sin. 1 John 5 and we close. 1 John chapter 5. And if these verses aren't underlined in your Bible, they ought to be. The testimony is this. That God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. It's His to give. He who has the Son, do you know that you have Him? How do you have anything? Only because you receive it? Jesus said, but as many as received Him, as many as accepted Him, he who has the Son has the life, the eternal life. He who does not have the Son does not have eternal life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Yes, it is possible for you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life. And if you are not sure At the close of the service. I would do this if we had the time. I would do this before. If you're not sure, I would have you stand up and walk right down this aisle and meet with somebody here who can show you from the Word of God how that you can know that you have eternal life and you are forever in the presence of the one who sits on the throne. Father, Thank you for your word. And I pray that if there's someone this morning who does not know you as Savior, and they're not sure that at the close of this service, they will find me or somebody else that I can direct them to, to know that they have your gift of eternal life. In his name we pray.